Kaya FM podcast. The World Show with Nikki B on Kaya FM 95.9. Yes, it is The World Show. I'm Nikki B. And of course, right now, we're joined by tonight's special guest all the way from London, England. Anthony Joseph, welcome to The World Show. Hello. Hi, Nikki. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. You know, I saw, I think it was on Facebook, you were saying, my album's about to drop. And I said, no, 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 come, we've got to get you on the show because (laughs) I've been playing Anthony Joseph in so many different forms and ways over the years. So thank you for joining us. How is it there? How is it there in London? Is it still cold? Um, it's kind of up and down, you know, London weather is variable. So one day it's kind of warm and the next is kind of cold. I think it's cold today. Yes. But yeah, it's okay. It's variable. It's okay. Yes. Yeah. So, Anthony, you have got such an interesting story. And, you know, I find as I was listening to your latest album, and I think a lot of your work, but it really has come together for me in this album. You know, it's almost autobiographical in many ways, looking at your life. But maybe before we start playing some of your songs, so I'm not quite sure what to call them, but I call everything songs, even instrumentals. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, because they're poems with music. But yeah. tell me a little bit about your background, where you grew up. And how you came to be interested in in writing poetry? I was born and raised in Trinidad, in the Caribbean. And basically, I mean, I I grew up with my grandparents. I was the the only kid amongst them. So it was just my grandmother, grandfather and me. And I I lived, you know, I lived with them in a kind of, I guess, a middle class neighborhood in Trinidad. And I was exposed at that time to a lot of a lot of calypso music, of course, from Trinidad, a lot of steel band music, a lot of reggae music. Uh, but also a lot of soul music and a lot of pop and rock music coming down from the UK and from the US. So it was quite a sort of eclectic childhood in that I was listening to all different types of music. You know, I was listening to, I don't know, Frank Zappa and Jimmy Cliff at the same time. You know, so I grew up in that kind of environment. And then when I was about 11 or 12, I started, I was really involved and really, I loved the music and I wanted to, to write lyrics. So I started trying to write song lyrics, trying to write songs in that sort of pre-teen kind of age where, you know, everything was about, you know, girls. And yes, and whatever. love, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I was writing a lot like that. And that that's where it started, really, for me writing poetry. You know, I didn't grow up in a, a household of intellectuals or academics. My grandparents were, you know, really simple country people. Yes. Um, so I was kind of self-taught at that point. And just finding my own my own way. So in essence, it was the music that got you first, and that's yeah. what got you into into writing, I suppose. And then when you oh, yeah. yes, C- continue. No, I was going to say. I mean, for me, there's there's really there's never been a real separation because I, the things that inspired me really early on in terms of music and words were uh, people like Lord Kitchener, Mighty Sparrow, yes. all these Calypsonians, even Marley. You know, I was drawn to the way they merged the word with the music. That was always a mystery to me. That was the mystery. How does, you know, how does Marley convey, you know, uh, turn your lights down low and how come he's saying that and the mood of the music is the same? Yes. How do you do that, you know? So I was interested in that. I was interested in how you merge the word to the music. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, there was not a real separation between 
poetry and songs and for me it was all the same yes and i love the i love the fact that you speak about this because i think you know i've noticed over the years sometimes uh poets make beautiful poems but actually don't know how to integrate it with the music but i think mm. in some ways because of where you started from a musical perspective and yeah. uh, what you know what you're saying what you'd seen and marley and people like that lkj is another one who comes to mind actually yeah, 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 yes yeah, absolutely, yes absolutely i mean Gil Scott Heron, there's an interview with Gil Scott Heron where he talks about, where he says that he thinks that poets should learn music, like you should study it. Yes. Uh, because it's, you know, it's it's uh, it's an important skill to have as a poet to understand, you know, learn how music works. You know, if you're going to do spoken word with music, learn how music works, you know, so you can, you know. You can talk the same language as a musician. Absolutely. And then you, uh, at some point, you moved to the UK when you were still young. So yeah. how was that for you? I mean, was it a culture shock? What was that transition like? <laughs> it was. It was strange. It was. I mean, I it, I wasn't that young actually when I left Trinidad. I was about twenty-one. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I yes. lived kind of my first first life, my sort of youth in Trinidad, and then coming to London and was kind of a, a, a big jump into manhood so I had to I had to I hadn't been anywhere else in the world you know it was the first time I'd been I'd been abroad and yeah it was to say it was a culture shock is kind of putting it lightly it was a complete it was a complete turnaround but because you know Trinidad has this connection historically to the UK you know a lot of the things that I saw here I was familiar with a lot of the music I was familiar with the music I was familiar with the language I was familiar with quite a lot of the the customs and the etiquette so it was in that sense it was easy enough to slip into the culture in, in about a year I felt fully entrenched in it and did you go to England with the hopes of pursuing, you know, your, your musical or your poetic dream? Or was that just evolved along the way? No, it was always the reason why I came here. I always, I, you know, I came here because I felt, I kind of knew that if I'd stayed in Trinidad, I wouldn't have been able to to experiment, to do a lot of the things that I wanted to, to try to do with, with poetry and music. Because, you know, at that time, Trinidad, this was before the internet, man. So a lot of the, you know, if you were in Trinidad and you were making, you know, Calypso or soca music, great. But if you were doing, if you were interested in making pop music or rock music, or if you were interested in making spoken word and music, there was no real avenue for that. Yes. Um, and I just felt that, you know, I needed to to travel. I needed to travel. That was, I think that's part of being a Caribbean person as well. Yeah. <laughs> you want to, you want to leave. So that Absolutely. was it. Yeah. And I find it quite interesting with this album, and I think we'll go into more the theme of the album after we've listened to the first track. But it really addresses, well, a couple of things that you've been talking about. One of them is if I can put it this way, the life of an immigrant. And I relate that to anyone who's an immigrant. I mean, my I come from a family of immigrants to South Africa. And, right. you know, having lived in different places in the world, experiencing that on the one hand, but also in many ways for me, this album is a strong acknowledgement of your roots, both musically and sociopolitically as well. Would you I, I think so. Yes. I think so. Yes. I think so. I think it's... Uh to get to this point now where I am in terms of the album and the, the content of it, it's a long journey. It's been a long journey to get to that point because, you know, a lot of the earlier work was a lot more inward facing. It was a lot more personal and a lot more looking, looking at my own experiences and, you know, my own sort of aesthetic practices and stuff. But this 
you know, for the last two albums, really, I've been trying to naturally move out of myself and look into a community or look into history and look into the, you know, the socio cultural scene, you know, what's that's actually going on around me. So, yeah, it's more outward facing. Yes. I think you're right in that aspect. Let's talk more about it when we come back, but I want to open with a, a song off the album called Calling England Home. And I really wanted to open because this track for me is saying, who is Anthony Joseph? And it's like, you answering and telling me your story with this yeah, particular yeah. track, Calling England yeah. Home. So let's play it and we'll talk about it a little bit further uh, when we come back on the other side of a Calling England Home. And of course, uh, I love the title of the album. Tell us the title of the album, Anthony, in your words, in your voice. The rich are only defeated when running for their lives. Absolutely <laughs> love it. And I think we've got to talk more about that too. Um, coming back on the other side, here is uh, the first track that I'm playing uh, tonight, Calling England Home from Anthony Joseph, tonight's a very special guest. FM 95.9 Calling England Home from tonight's guest Anthony Joseph of his new release The Rich Are Only Defeated When Running For Their Lives. Beautiful. As I was saying to you Anthony it's interesting because I was playing a lot of different Ethio groove tonight and I think that's why that track called me in the beginning was yeah. that group what incredible artists on this album um, oh, yeah. you know and such a range of music I don't know if you want yeah. to mention any of the artists that are performing with you on this album oh yeah I mean you know I think my band is just is quite special you know I, the, I mean the Calling England track home was written by the guitarist he wrote the music guy called Tibor Ramey yes um, really wonderful French guitarist who lives in London. The Gift, the one that you like, is that's composed by Andrew John, who's a bass player that I've worked with uh, since 1991. He's been the only bass player that I've had. So yes. really, are really special people. You know, we got Shabaka Hutchings on there and a couple of tracks. We got uh, Jason Yard producing. Yes. Yeah, you know, we got Crispin, Crispin Spry Robinson of Galliano fame. And Amazing, the whole yes. I've seen on that, you know. So yeah, yeah, a range of people. And so you... Rod Young's, I got to say as well. Rod Young's who played for 12 years with Gil Scott Heron and now plays with me. I mean, you know. Yes. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I love what you're saying because you acknowledge the, the musicians as co-composers or composers of different yeah. tracks and I mean mm -hmm. surely that kind of relationship well I think when musicians play a lot together anyway they, they kind of know each other's language but yeah. uh, as somebody who's essentially a poet it must be really special to have a group of musicians that you've worked with that create songs to almost fit your poetry or, or do you, does your yeah. poetry start and then they, they compose how does it work? Mm -hmm. It works both ways, you know, sometimes it works both ways. A lot of the, um, I mean, there's a couple of things on this new album that came from a collective in-session jamming, which, which is with finding ideas and jamming and people coming up with ideas, I coming up with ideas, and it just works in that kind of fusion format. Yes. That's my favorite way of, of composing. But yes. a lot of times people bring songs, like Jason would bring a song or Tebow brought this song to us kind of fully formed and said, here's this track, what do you guys want to do with it? And then we take it and, you know, change a few things or whatever, and I add lyrics to it. So sometimes, it, you know, it varies. I might have 
an idea, like for language, for the beginning of language. Yes. I had a definite idea of what I wanted that to sound like, so I would tell them. Yes. Um, but there's a, a sort of ebb and flow and a back and forth, you know? Yes. One thing, I, yeah. uh, actually, I won't speak about language now. I think we'll play it later. I'll mm. speak about it then. But absolutely. And uh, so sometimes it's the music that inspires the lyrics or the or the lyrics, the yeah. poem that inspires the music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beautiful. And, you know, you've worked with so many different people uh, along with doing, is this your seventh album, I think? Or, uh, I've lost track. Yes. I think this is like my eighth one. Your now. eighth one, yes. I knew it yeah. was seven or eight of your own, but you've also also worked so much and I think even increasingly with other artists in collaboration. Do you feel that that along the way has also fed your 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 inspiration? Yeah. Collaboration. I mean, the way I approach, mm. Yeah, absolutely. But the way I approach it is that, you know, to collaborate with someone, I got to really feel their energy. You know, I got to really, you know, and it might seem like I've collaborated with a lot of people, but there's a lot of people who've asked me to do stuff with them and I just couldn't get, couldn't get to it. Yes. But the people that, um, the people that I do work with and I've collaborated with, like Mike Mop Mop, like Michelle and, yes. and Michelle, people like that. That was, I felt, we felt each other's energy and felt the vibration and it, and it worked. It doesn't always work. Yes. Um, Another one I love least, is the yeah. Camarao Orchestra that you've been doing the work. Oh, yeah. yeah also yeah, beautiful yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, but you see, that that came about through Florian Policia, who also plays in this album, who I've known for many years. Who's yes. part of the family, you know, so... Yeah, it's got to be, you've got to have a connection to people to really make music with them. Yes, and I suppose I that's almost emphasized because your writing, your work is quite loaded. So it's got to fit with a certain sound. I mean, you can't, you know, come with these concepts that you present and kind of yeah. mix it with a music that's not going to give it the same weight, I suppose. Yeah. Yes, yeah, no, yes. You know, which is, you know, which is one of the reasons why I, I work with the guys that I work with, you know, because we work together for a few years and we, we know each other well you know yes. I've known Jason Jason who's produced the last two albums I've known him for, for many years you know and he knows he knows me he knows my energy he knows my vibe yes. Andrew as well he, they know me so they know how to work yeah it's kind of unspoken isn't it it's, it's just how it's magic <laughs> yes and I suppose it's it's like common vision anyway common consciousness you know or yeah. that that links uh, yeah. that links people yeah. who who gel well yeah you've chosen a track off this album I chose like three which we might not play all of them but yeah. I loved your choice as well and why did you choose this track uh, Makadimwe why is it special <laughs> for you um I, it's, I mean, I'm a I'm a, a sucker for funk. I just love like funk stuff. Like this particular track for me connects the earlier Spasm Band sound, the band that I used to have, yes, know, uh, about ten ten years ago. Now we had a particular sound, a particular energy, and this track has that same kind of vibe. So in a way, it connects me to that sort of original sound. Yes. But also because it, it's inspired by, uh, it's a true story of a friend of mine, a guy uh, a guy who I used to know many years ago. And this is really his story. He was really a guy who was a, you know, a, a soldier in, in, in the Guyanese army at the time of the Jim Jones massacre. And, you know, it's, it's pretty grim stuff, but yeah, it's got groove and, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's, and that's the thing often I find with your work. It's not always about being pretty. But yeah, sometimes you take really harsh subjects and yeah. um, make them accessible, make them beautiful, even if they're yeah. harsh, you know? Yeah, this is 
one of those, definitely. This, absolutely, this is one of those. Maka Demwe, I'm speaking to Anthony Joseph on The World Show. The album is called The Rich Are Only Defeated When Running For Their Lives. And I do want him to expand on that when we come back on the other side of this track. FM 95.9 Absolute Groove Yes, Makadimwe from Anthony Joseph who is with us now The album is called The Rich Are Only Defeated When Running For Their Lives The title, Anthony (laughs) It says it all Mm -hmm. Why did you decide to call this album that? At the time that I was uh, sort of working on on writing a lot of the lyrics for it I was reading The Black Jacobins which is a book by C.L.R. James C.L.R. James was a, a, a Trinidadian, actually, activist, writer, socialist, philosopher, very controversial figure, but very important figure. And in the Black Jacobins, he talks about the, the Haitian Revolution. Yes. And in describing how the, the settlers, the French settlers, were forced to flee yes. and run away from the plantations and all that, that's one of the lines that he used. He says, you know, the, the rich are only defeated when running for their lives, yes. you know. And for me, it, it kind of chimed with me because this was around the whole the time last year with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, George Floyd, that whole period of time that we were living in, in which, you know, we were seeing, um, you know, challenges to power, the, the power structures were being challenged, you know, and I was thinking, you know, the only way this is going to, we're going to dismantle these structures is by some sort of violent revolution and, yes. you know, the people are going to be running for their lives, you know, and it felt very much like that in the air well it's interesting you say that because I had a feeling it came out of this period that we went through and and it's it's Mm. just so appropriate but I think in many ways and you you make reference to other writers in many ways this is also for me a heritage album Mm. in the way that you're paying tribute to uh, writers in the way that you're paying tribute to your homeland and to the fact that you're also an immigrant you know so tell us a little bit more I mean, you touched on that. In fact, the next track that I was going to play is Language, poem mm-hmm. for Ant- Anthony McNeil. And I think this was also something mm-hmm. that uh, was inspired by another writer, if I can put it that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anthony McNeil was a Jamaican, a Jamaican poet who was quite really experimental poet, experimental in, in terms of his language use. And in the Caribbean, you know, we don't have a, a, a law, we don't have a, a vast tradition of experimental writing in the Caribbean, primarily because the history of literature in the Caribbean, you know, it really started with the emancipation of, of slavery. Yes. Before that, people couldn't, re- you couldn't really say you had a national language. So it was only after that. So the history is, is pretty narrow compared to the rest of the world. So in a lot of ways, we don't have a, a huge tradition of, of really experimental Caribbean writers. And Anthony McNeil was one of them. Kemal yes. is another one. Kemal Braithwaite. Yes. And there's a few others. But McNeil, for me, was really special. He was really, I found a lot of affinity with what he was doing, some of the experiments he was doing with language, with what I was doing. Yeah, big inspiration to me. 
Yes. Um, as a figure, as a Caribbean, as a Caribbean poet. Yes. Now, you know, you've drawn from, from those who came before, if I can put it that way, which I think mm. is always amazing, especially as you say, there was no kind of written history. It was more an oral tradition. And I'm sure a lot of the time it's, it's been forgotten because it wasn't recorded. But um, at the same time, you're an educator. So you lecture at the university. Yeah. So on one hand, you're taking from the past, but you're also imparting it to the next generation yes yeah tell us a little bit about your work as an educator how is it for you well yes (laughs) i'm a i'm a a a lecturer in in creative writing and uh, i mean part of my role i mean part of what i see my role to be you know there's there are very few black creative writing lecturers in the uk there's not a lot of us yes we tend to be quite thin underground for some reason, you know. There's a lot of people that are involved. There's a lot of lecturers involved in other fields, but for some reason in English and creative writing, there's not a lot of us. So part of my role, I think, is always to introduce my students, which are, you know, usually invariably white middle-class students, you know, is to introduce them to people like Anthony McNeil, introduce them to, you know, using post-coloniality as a way of understanding where we are now, introducing them to, you know... Afro-Caribbean writers and Afro-Indian writers, you yes. know, introducing them to things that are outside of the canon, outside of the white English-British canon, yes. you know, yes. outside of Shakespeare, outside of Keats, you know, let's 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 get some Indian authors in. Let's let's talk about you know a writer from the Bahamas, you know. Let's talk about you know post-colonial poetry, you know, yes. in Trinidad. Let's you know. So yes. I kind of. Yeah, I see my role as sort of exposing them to that, you know, almost in a subversive way, you know. Yes. So I say, hey, you know, we have the Keats, but let's let's leave Keats for a second and let's look at Anthony McNeil or let's look at Linton, you know, yes. let's see what you know, let's let's see what's going on here. And I think they love it. They they love that because they feel it's quite subversive, as I said, sort of going behind yes. you know yeah. No, I love it. I remember when I taught English at high school decades ago, and uh, I used to also use Bob Marley, Bob Marley writing and things like that. So I love the fact that you do that, and that you also are showing the next generation. You're opening those doors, saying it's uh, it's not only Shakespeare; it doesn't only come from Europe. There is this wealth that is happening around there, and so I I can imagine you are a subversive lecturer, but very, very (laughs) inspiring. Well. Yes. They love it. You know? yes. They really love it. I mean, I've, I've had people come to me and say, oh, thank you for introducing me to, to Earl Lovelace, who's a, one of our greatest novelists. You know, thank you for introducing me to Earl Lovelace. I've, I've got all his books. I've learned a lot from him. I'm like, wow, it's, you know, yes. my job is done. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Amazing. Yes. And uh, in fact, uh, on that note, you know, I keep referring to the fact that of being an immigrant, but essentially also coming from the Caribbean as a black man, you have this mm. history of displacement, if I can put it that mm. way. You know, even if it's an ancestral quality that one carries mm. uh, with one sure. along the way. And I think these are issues that you seem to address quite often and for me, again, in this track mm-hmm. language, the poem for Anthony McNeil, I'm finding you yes. bringing up these points, and that's so beautiful. But what I mean, I you know, it's interesting. A lot of people say that that there's a displacement and sort of a diaspora, and you know, leaving Trinidad and being in the UK now. But we need to remember as well that the UK and Great Britain is is kind of part of the Caribbean. It's been part of the Caribbean sensibility for so long. It's part of the idea of what it means to be a Caribbean person. It's so tied up so much, especially the well, the English speaking side of the Caribbean. Yes. It's so tied up 
in what England is, you know. So it's there's a kind of symbiotic kind of relationship going on there. Yes. Um, which is why I guess a lot of people that come from the Caribbean to England can find a space, can find their, yes. their place you know yes um yeah but I at the same time you know coming from the caribbean as a black man you're also mm-hmm. coming from and i think that's something you've addressed quite often in different works of yours is um you know going right back to the slaves coming from africa so in essence that's the theme of movement of moving yeah. across the continents is yeah. something which has not only been part of your life but also of your ancestors yes yeah, yeah. part of my ancestors because you know part of my ancestors are also native american are also you know a large part of my heritage is is you know what we call south american you know indigenous indigenous yes. south american people you know yes um as well as the African side of it. So there's two two continents there merging together. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yes. Well, three now, actually. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to make mention of a message from Lechlo Honolo saying, wow, mm. I find Anthony's music profound and highly engaging and delightful. Mm. What a beautiful way to express it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes, and uh, also saying, what a number, absolute fire when I played Calling England Home and mm. uh, just... Uh, also lots of hearts so many beautiful messages you'll check oh, them on Facebook and Twitter but for now I think uh, I do want to play this track Language Anthony oh, yeah. Joseph is with me as tonight's a special guest the album is called The Rich Are Only Defeated When Running For Their Lives it is available and I have been uh, posting links to Bandcamp it's also on uh, I think all digital uh, media you can get it on iTunes and Spotify as well this one is Language Sure, love it. Kaya FM 95.9. Just such a, such a vibe, that one. Anthony Joseph with me on the World Show. The new album, The Rich Are Only Defeated When Running For Their Lives. And that one was a language poem for Anthony McNeil. Want to read you a couple of the messages coming through, Anthony. Noliqua says, okay. beautiful interview, loving the sound, so appropriate. The rich are only defeated when running for their lives. Definitely <laughs> reminds me of the late Gil Scott Heron. But also oh. saying... Uh, in relation to uh, calling England home, Noliquid says, um, but that one sounds a little bit more like Pharaoh Saunders style, quite eclectic somehow. And uh-huh. <laughs> also had a, a lovely message from Anne. I think Anne is all the way in the US saying, um, greetings from the belly of the beast again, saying, I'm feeling your current guest, the master poet, lyricist Anthony Joseph. His jams are dope and have inspired me to write an upcoming piece entitled America is going to collapse unless and until medicine, women and uh, men uh, <laughs> uh, of African and indigenous descent <laughs> perform an exorcism of phenomenal proportions on its six sick white supremacist matrix. <laughs> Boom! Oh, Shout wow. out! That's Thank a great you. Title. Great title. <laughs> yes. I, I think we support that and definitely we're going to look yeah. out for that, Anthony. <laughs> yes. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. So we're going to end the feature with one last track 
track off the album called The Gift. But Anthony, this is such a powerful, powerful piece. What do we do now? We want to see you perform. And the world in, is in turmoil. Every time we, yeah. we open up, we close down again. What is yeah. going to happen with the album? Are there going to be performances around it? Well, you know, I think, yeah, of course. I think I'm going to be doing some some performances later in summer yes. uh, and in autumn, definitely. You know, we hope we hope that things are going to open up. Um, yes. Because I'm really I'm really not into sort of online doing things online yes. and streaming. Yes. It's not the same. It doesn't have the um, same. Yes. But I think I think the way a lot of artists are working now, we realize that you know. It, prior to this COVID thing, you had an album out and you had three months in which you had to work it, work it, work it, work it. Yes. I think now people people know now that, you know, the album might have a longer lifespan. Yes. It might not be just that three months. You might have to work it in the in the next year. You might still be touring the same album, you know. So yes. I think people are okay with that. Well, for me, I mean, this album is relevant for now, but it also draws on, you know, as I said, historical and heritage aspects that also is a reflection of what's going on. For me, it's a timeless piece. This is not, mm. you know, an album that I'm not going to listen to in five or yeah. 10 or 15 years time. In fact, I think it's a very powerful album reflecting the times that, that we are dealing with. And I think, mm, uh, as you say, you know, the pandemic has kind of uh, magnified some of the issues mm. that we've faced in the world, which as, you, as you've as you echoed in, in, in your uh, title of the album. But on that note, I have to yeah. ask you, because I know people are going to ask me, it is a available on all digital platforms have you printed any uh, as vinyl Oh yeah, the vinyl is. It's uh, actually the album is not out until May seventh. Eh? So oh, okay. So yeah. we are. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm a bit ahead of ah. time. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's not out until May seventh, and yeah, there's going to be vinyl. I mean, my label is is my label. The boss of my label, Frank, is really into vinyl. So yes. Everything comes out in vinyl, so yeah, yes. it's going to be on a beautiful 180 gram heavy vinyl with a poster and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fantastic. And of course, it's on the. It's released through the heavenly heavenly sweetness. The label heavenly sweetness. Yeah. That's based in France. They do amazing stuff. So definitely look out for the vinyl, but uh, get it digitally. I always say buy it digitally until you receive the hard copy. Yeah. Yes. Anthony, we're going to end this uh, feature with a track off the album called The Gift. Tell us about this one. This, um, oh man. (laughs) So this is about my father. This is about my father's death and funeral. So it starts with that. It starts with his funeral. But it also looks at a conversation I had with his wife, with my stepmom. After he died and we'd had the wake, you know, you have a wake and you, you all get together and talk about a person or whatever. And one of the things that she did was she brought a bag out of his jewels for, for me and my brother. And she said, you know, choose which ones you want, you know. So she was giving us this gift. Yes. And in the process of giving us this gift, these gifts that belong to my father, like rings and chains and stuff, yes. she was saying to me how, you know, why do you think that you are the way you are now, that you have, you, you have success or you have health and all that? You are a result. You are the gift of your people generational struggle. You know, you are yes. the gift. Yes. You know, and the gift is you. The gift is your life, you know. This is not the gift. The gift is the fact that your father lived and died and, and, and created you and your mom and their father and their mother and all these generations going all the way back to slavery. The ch- the children were always placed at the top and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. So that's it. It's the work of generations. <laughs> you know, we are the work of the generation, the gift. 
Such That's a, what it's about. Such a beautiful <laughs> way to end this feature. It's yeah, a message yeah. for all of us in that. Thank you so yeah. much, Anthony. Thanks for your brilliant work. Loving the thank album. You. Going to push it a lot on the world show. And thanks for giving us a preview to this epic, <laughs> epic offering. Yes. Oh, thank you for having me. Sure. Thank it's you. a pleasure. Thanks for everyone for listening. Sure. And as we say, as soon as things open up, you're going to have to come back to South Africa because you were in Cape Town last Absolutely. time. We need yeah. you in Joburg. So hope to okay. see you in the not so distant future. <laughs> thanks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thanks so much for being with us on The World Show. Coming up, the last track from Anthony Joseph off this incredible album, The Rich Are Only Defeated When Running For Their Lives. This one is The Gift. And back in the house, I started rapping with the cousin with the long, long dread that wrap up in a scroll, the one with the biblical name. The one who say he don't communicate by computer. The World Show with Nikki B. Every Sunday from 6 to 10 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM Podcast. Go to kayafm.co.za for more.